Hi, and welcome to the Imperfect Podcast. My name is Deb Crow, and I will be your host. Join me on this journey as we meet heart-centered leaders from all over the globe. Lots of interesting questions, interesting conversation, and find out what makes a leader. How do they handle uncertainty and complexity? How do they lead in a time that is volatile? Join us. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. As a heart-centered leader, I pride myself on always aligning and following other heart-centered leaders. And I have to tell you, I'm pretty excited about our guest today. Let me tell you a little bit about Bill Woodage. I've been watching him for about six months on LinkedIn and finally got up the courage, sent him a message, connected, asked him to be on my podcast. And the reason that I wanted him on my podcast is this is a leader who he practices what he preaches. He quotes, to receive value, you first have to give value. If that's not a heart-centered leadership trait, I don't know what is. We're going to talk to Bill about his two books that he's written, Always Forward and Fail More. But buckle up, listeners, because this gentleman has such rich experience. He brings grit and tenacity to the stratosphere, and there's no excuses and he'll make you own it. So Bill, I am so delighted. Welcome to the show. I'm honored and it's a pleasure to be on the show, Deb. You know, fellow podcaster, I know you run Unstoppable, so it's gonna lead me into my first leadership question for you. When I think of the word unstoppable and its definition, it's the impossible or the impossibility to stop or prevent. So first leadership question, why do so many salespeople either do well or don't do well? There never seems to be a middle road ground. And how do you incorporate that unstoppable modality of you will to really shift behavior? I'm going to come out and tell you that part of that is DNA. And it's the DNA of the individual. There's got to be a deep burn. There's got to be a an essence or a flame, a flicker of fear. And there's got to be a feeling that accompanies that fear, the fear of what happens if, what happens if I don't succeed? And that's got to burn so deeply, almost like when I talk about the Greeks and the Spaniards, when they burned their boats and they went forward. So the men behind could just see plumes of smoke. There was no retreat, no surrender. You've got to have a burn your boat mentality. So for me, Coming from the backwoods of Western Pennsylvania, I remember what it felt like to have a foreclosed future. I remember what it felt like to be sitting and then punching holes and painting wood in a factory for eight hours a day. I remember that fear. I remember the feeling. So when I had the opportunity to burst into corporate America, where a lot of people saw a crack in the door and they walked through timidly, I went out there with a confidence that said, there is nothing that's going to hurt me in a boardroom because I have been in a place where I couldn't escape, where my future was foreclosed. And now I have a shot if I look to the heart and if I can win the hearts of others by being myself, by being confident, by earning earning the right to show them my competence, that was gonna make all the difference. And you know what, Deb? People that come in that interview with me and, and there have been hundreds and hundreds over time, all say they're gonna make the commitment, but you never know until you're hit. 
You never know until you have to be resilient. You never know until you're stopped and your ego is beaten down. Those people that want for more because they want to serve others, because they have this, this, this need to validate to themselves how good they really are, are the ones that go forward. The ones that just want a job, cash a check, look at the money, not good, generally won't do the work or won't go beyond a certain level of what their expectation is. I love that you attributed it first and foremost to DNA. And I do believe we all have some level of generational belief and value that we bring ahead from our parents, our grandparents. But, you know, if we switch and, and I look through it through a vantage point of coming from the medical rehab world, I'm going to compare it facetiously to an alcoholic or a drug addict. The day you decide to draw the line in the sand and make a decision to get sober, get better, it doesn't matter. It's a mindset and it's a choice and it's a decision. And I think it's so powerful. And I wanted to just slip in a question here to how did your company come to the philosophy of to receive value, you first have to give value. And I know there's some grit and some tenacity and you talk about that from being a young boy from Pennsylvania, but tell us why that came out to the forefront of your company's philosophy. I'll tell you why I love that question because you bring me back home. So you bring me to my porch in Western Pennsylvania where, where my father, who was an alcoholic, I looked and I said, this is something I'm never gonna be. So I drew that line right there. This is something that I'm not going to be. This is something that's not going to affect me. And I'm not going to let external conditions or um, something that I can't control ever control or influence my life. And, and I made that decision right there. And I learned from my mother at a very young age that if someone pays you a dollar, Billy, she said, uh, you've got to give a dollar ten of value for that. And she said, you know, to become that to give that, you've got to become that. And that means you've got to be able to have the skill set. You've got to continue to grow. You've got to lean into uncertainty. You've got to do the, the uncomfortable stuff. You've got to break your nails. You, you've got to get in and get your hands dirty. And so you've got to really build up a value platform because you're the CEO of your life. And that's what I coach here. And I coach everyone on this. If you're going to go out and, and promise or commit, you've got to be able to, to deliver. And you've got to deliver more than that person expects. That comes from doing the work. And later on off air, we can drop back into DNA. I'll tell you a story about customer service. And I'll tell you that customer service people, either that is baked in or it is not. And I spent a lot of money, hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to coach and teach it. You either have the will to do something for somebody and you go the extra mile because you want to, you're not gonna do it because of incentives. And I will tell you, I learned that over 27 years, the hard way, the good ones, they got it baked in. I agree. I love that they have it baked in and we all have the ability to lead from heart and it segues beautifully into my next question. I like to ask all my guests this, what imperfections does Bill bring to his heart centered leadership? Well, Bill brings Bill. It's the first imperfection. And you know, I, I would tell you this, that I, I coach this. It's a story that goes around here. It's been about, uh, it was long, it was a while ago. And a sales rep came to me and he came from another place and he said, uh, he was very uptight on his first call with me. And he said, what mistakes are we gonna make today? And I said, what are you asking me that for? He said, well, at my other place, they used to always say, you can't make mistakes. Uh, you just can't do this. And I said, well, we're gonna make them all. That's not gonna matter. And so 
I bring a warts and all. I think you need to tell, this has been one of my greatest, um, I think, uh, I didn't mean it to be a tool or a, or a way. This is one of the greatest uh, paths forward that I did. I told people what I wasn't up front. I'm not the biggest at this. We probably don't do this thing over here very well. Probably don't do that very well. And the prospect would say, wait, this is where you're supposed to tell me how great you are. Now, what's happened, Deb, is they stopped hearing the noise that they hear from everybody else, and they started listening to me. So I will tell them what I'm not, because, you know, you can find it easily. Why not just tell them what you're not so they can start listening to what it is that you're going to do for them? And that really changed that dynamic. So for me, if, I'm, if I can't do something, I'll come up front, whether it's a speaking engagement, I'll ask them, you know, what are you looking for in a speaker? If I can't hit the mark, I'm not going to do it. So to try to be perfect, perfect is the enemy of good in life. All we can ever be is good. Well, I love that. I think the best New Year's resolution, which I don't believe in, but if people had one, it'd be weight loss and it'd be the loss of weight of other people's opinions. I love that. You know, <laughs> it's kind of like when you're coaching, I'm not the most expensive and I'm not the cheapest, but it's where you put yourself on the self audit value meter. That is amazing. Well, what you just said, I had a thought coming into work today that I want to do a talk about barnacles. Barnacles are the, because I'm looking at the ocean today, I can see the boats. Barnacles are those things that slow down a boat. They're on the bottom. You got to have somebody scrape them up. Barnacles are other people's opinion that distort and distract you from your goal. And all they do is slow you down. You don't need them on that boat. You don't need them on that boat of opportunity. Get off the dock, get rid of the barnacles, go forward. Uh, it'll distract you from your destiny. I, I love metaphors and I am a boater. So I'm, I'm just going to put a period there, Bill. Love the analogy. Now you've become a well-versed, well-known, best-selling author. You have authored two books, Always Forward, which has been called A Game Plan for Life by NBC's Tracy Forner. And you've also authored uh, two years ago, Fail More, which I just love the name. Tell us where you got the passion and the resilience to write these books and kind of what was your hope when you put that message out in the world of Always Forward and Fail More? I'm going to go back to my, my beginnings. I, my mother was very compassionate. She was a nurse. So by, by definition of her trade, she was very compassionate. But by, by, by her DNA, she would do anything for anybody at any hour. So there was a certain passion to help people. And I don't want to, I don't want to sound arrogant because I think that if you provide the environment and you can fuel the, the flame of inspiration, people help themselves. You don't help them. They have to do their own push-ups in life. But I had this passion to see people achieve because I thought, if I can do it, other people can do this. They just have to be willing to be resilient. They have to be willing to do the work. They have to be willing to be, to be rejected and be vulnerable and stick their heart out there. So many people cloak their heart and, and they cover it and they cover it in ego. And the ego sounds like they're invincible. And, you know, people see through that, that aura of invincibility. No one, no one believes that I'm Superman. No one believes that someone's Wonder Woman. Uh, at the end of the day, you're a person. You put on your suit, you, you, um, you dress the same way or whatever you're going to wear for, for work, however you're going to engage in this life. I always looked at it this way, Deb. Um, we're all equal. And I treat everybody as a, a person. Get to know them. Stop the assumptions. 
Uh, I don't want to do, uh, be prejudiced on anything I see to say that looks like someone that would probably be nasty. Don't do that. I want to try to get to know them and then I make decisions from there. Well, I want to add on to that because I, I also pride myself. It doesn't matter, and I don't know the cliche, but I know you've probably seen it and heard it. When I used to be a medical case manager, I had a janitor on my caseload, and then I also had the CEO of a company. And for me, it didn't matter what their social economic or psychosocial level was. I walked in as the same leader and treated them exactly the same. And I think that is such a heart-centered leadership trait that we don't get swayed by people's stature. And I always talk about it on the podcast that you don't need to have lots of initials after your name or an extensive amount of schooling. I've had a lot of amazing academic leaders on the podcast, but I've also had a lot of people who have learned the secret sauce through life and experience, which, you know, right now in unprecedented time, there's many, many older people being taken out of retirement because we have such a shortage in so many vocations. So I love that you lean on that as one of your principles. And it leads me nicely into my last leadership question. I would love for you to share Bill's secret sauce and give us three leadership principles that not only you discovered, but you decided to implement and execute them and they've contributed to who you are today. Number one, I think you have to be principled, but you also have to be pragmatic. You can't stand so much on principle when it doesn't matter, when it doesn't have anything to do with ethics, just because it's the way we've always done things. And you have to be pragmatic and look and say, does this make sense? Sometimes you got to break your model. You know what the biggest thing I learned as well is that a leader is known more for what they tolerate than what they ever accomplish. Your people are watching you. That's going to determine your culture. It's not what your culture, not your mission statement. It's not what you think it is. It's what your people think it is. And I also learned this. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay to ask for time to think about something. You don't always have to be try to be right. You don't always have to try to be right right now. And if you're wrong, you own it, you admit it, you're accountable, and the people feed off of your consistency and your performance, your behavior. That's a baseline of what we call culture. Well, I love that. And culture is the whole premise and foundation is based on the behavior of the leader and whoever's sitting at the helm and pointing that shared vision to the North Star. That's North beautiful. Star. There you go. You know, you know I'm going I'm to jump in and say something on this. I'm going to get you on my, pod, my podcast. I think you bring tremendous value. I, I think the questions you ask go to the really go to the heart of leadership. And I got to say something that I, I just was off a mentoring call that I I had with a, a university student last night, we talked about the same thing you just mentioned about don't assign the value of a person to the degree, to, to their bank account, to the cars, to the trap, the external trappings. Don't do that. You have, you have a responsibility to the self, being the sovereign of the self. You have a responsibility to own your self-respect. You're the only one that can give that away. Never give that away. You walk away from money. You walk away from anything that looks like a control or an abrogation of your self-respect. Going back to treating people, one of my heroes growing up was Muhammad Ali. And he used to always say, I look at people and understand them by the way they treat the waiter or they treat those people like the janitor or those people that can't do anything for them. That is the nature and essence of the person. 
And that's something I learned, something I've always done. And I don't care what you drive, what you own, who you think you are. You're going to have to own my respect. Okay, I got to unpack this a little bit. Sovereign of self. I love that. And to me, the way I interpret that is being confident. There's no place for ego. Be confident, be ready to receive, step into that greatness. And I got to throw in a fun fact here. I met Muhammad Ali and sat beside no. him on an airplane when I was 25 uh, years old. Oh, now I'm jealous. <laughs> I was I, I was so nervous, Bill. I I turned to him and I he was a little bit shaky then. And I asked him if I could have his autograph. And he handed his bag to the gentleman he was with. And I handed him my business card and a pen and he turned it over and then he gave me a little hug. It was like best moment ever. Okay. I, I have to say this and I'm gonna run over a little bit, but but when he passed, it was, I sat on my bed and cried and watched it because he had been so much to me in, in, as, a, as a child. And what I took from him is, is this, that, that ego with talent is confidence. Ego without talent is arrogance. And when he would come out and make a proclamation, be bold and say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And he damn, he did it. I did the same thing when I started in sales. I wanted to put myself out there. So if I failed, I would be embarrassed. I wanted to have skin in the game and I really, really wanted to be thought of as the greatest. So I always emulated his toughness, his work ethic and his ability to cash the checks that his mind wrote. Uh, I just to this day and I have a statue and I have there's all kinds of stuff around the office that really go into Ali doing the road work, doing doing those things that made him the greatest and truly. So I, I mean, you get me all emotional on that. Well, he was the greatest. He's an icon. And and you know what? He he has a place that you've engraved in your heart. And I know that his stance and his grit and resilience has a place in your leadership. So that's beautiful. Yes. Okay, we're going to switch gears. And I'm going to ask you my fab four because we just want to have fun and get to know who Bill is. So four fun questions, whatever's sitting on the top of your mind. First question, tell us something we don't know about you. I'm really an introvert. I love my alone time. I loved, I, I'm an introvert. I had to work on being uh, an extrovert and being gregarious. Well, you, you got a fellow introvert right here. I think on the, uh, the Myers-Briggs, I'm an INFJ. I think we're like 4% of the planet. And it's such an interesting conversation because people think because you, you demonstrate with your behavior, you're gregarious, you're positive, you're outgoing, they automatically, here's the word that I do not like, assume mm. that you are an extrovert. But because we give of ourself, that sovereign of self you talk about, we have to recharge. So I so get that. I had a feeling you were an introvert. Isn't that interesting? Oh, yeah. I had to recharge. Because when you're, when you're engaged with people, I'm engaged, I mean, I am immersed in it with people. And I, I love, uh, I love the energy. But sometimes it, it will draw from yours as well. You need to be able to replenish that. You need to be able to take your time and think and read and, and before you can do. And, and that's what I do. I take in different thoughts. I, I don't. I open up the box of what I think I know, and I know that I don't know a lot of things. And I'm I'm willing to change what you know the past was to make make the future and the present better. Well, I love that, and it leads so beautifully into my next question. 
what leader, they can be living or past, Muhammad Ali can't be used because you already talked about him. Who's, who inspires you? Who's really hits you in the heart and why? Uh, Winston Churchill is very much on the top of my list as number one because he was resolute in his defiance and really pulled a nation up that was deflated and defeated by Nazi Germany. And through his, his dogged um, approach to resistance, took a nation and on his back and really got... When he, when he got the United States involved and how he was able to deal with people and play it strategically with his will and his work ethic, which was incredible, incredible. Um, he's probably number one. Abraham Lincoln's a close 1A, so I just throw him in there. But uh, I've gone to Churchill's War Museum a number of times. I read a lot about him and his leadership skills. Now, he wasn't always the, the, the nicest guy in the room. He wasn't always really well-liked, but he was a, he was a people's champion. Well, and I think you bring up a good point. Find me a leader who carves a new path that doesn't meet resistance, have to execute a lot of resilience and continually knocks down barriers. That's, that's the makings of a leader. They're not following their leading. So great examples. Now, this is gonna be a fun question for you because I watch you every day. I jump into LinkedIn and I get my daily dose of Bill's positivity, which I love because we all need to be aligned with people. So you're mentoring and coaching me every day, even if you didn't know it, you know it now. Tell me a word that you might have for this year or a mantra or what gets you up in the morning to just be the best version of you that you do over and over and over? Reimagine is the word. I like to reinvent, reimagine and reinvest. And by that, I mean, I don't want to go through the same thought process maybe of last year, It'll bore, I'll bore myself. So when I reimagine what my future will look like and I reinvest my time in the present, um, that's really what I do. Okay, can I add one more word? Go for it. I'm a big proponent of self-care and you talked right. about all the activities that you need to recharge, which I so relate to you on. So reimagine, reinvent, and recharge. Yeah, yeah. and you know, so, um, I can't remember how long ago it was, but a client of mine said, pulled me aside, said a racetrack, Del Mar, California, said, you are always there for your client. You are always there for your client. When do you take time for your best client? You know, me being at the time I was kind of flippant and I said, well, that's you. I'm spending time with you right now, Delmar. They said, no, your best client's you. You need to take time for you. And I, it really hit me. And I learned because I always want to be there for people. I always want, I'll do anything. I do a lot of stuff gratis, most stuff, a lot of stuff pro bono. I don't care. As long as I think I'm making a difference or believe I can make a difference for one, for one person, I can reach one heart, influence the mind. I'm going to do it. But you got to take time, get selfish and learn the word no. It might be a good word for the next year is no to push away from a lot of stuff that you don't need to do because it's taking away from things that you really have to do. Well, no to me is the gateway to boundary management, which is again, that sovereign of self, honoring self. I love your best client is you, mm -hmm. super powerful. Last question for you, Bill. 
what's an item on your bucket list? We're done COVID. What's the first thing you want to do? Ah, <laughs> oh, you stumped me. I've now I've checked a lot of those things off. Uh, you know what? I enjoy going to Australia. So when they open up stuff, actually, no, I'll tell you what. I'll go to uh, I'll go to London first. Love that city. Love the energy. That that's not a bucket list, but I want to go back there. So it seems like it is. And then I'd like to go back to Australia. I've been there about 13 times. I love it. It gives me time to pull away different time zones. No one can reach me. I have time to think. I have time to just be. Blood pressure goes down. It's perfect. So it's not really a bucket list. It's maybe a, it's, but it seems like it, it is now because it's been so long ago since I've done it. Well, I love that. And something else we have in common, love Australia. Mm. Uh, when I first started my business way back in 1990, I worked for the Australian Department of Defense and got to go there. And it was on my way home that I met Muhammad Ali. So what a serendipitous yeah. moment. We're just closing the circle here. I stay in Sydney at the Hyatt Rocks and uh, it's, 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 I stayed like six or seven places there. I love it. Yeah, there is serendipity here. You brought up a, a lot of things that I've been thinking about as recent as today with barnacles on your boat and other people and the, the distractions of what you get dive into. People on social media today are so consumed by the election and what's happening and the, bi, the bipolar nature of things. And, and they're, they're not focused on their work or they're not focused on themselves and they're taking and importing all these ideas. You can only, you know, you import, you export what you import. So you gotta be really careful about keeping your mind as clean as you possibly can, knowing that there's so much garbage out there today floating around. Oh, I fully agree. And uh, this has exceeded my expectations. I knew it was gonna be fun. And now I, I look forward to continued conversations with you. And I know you're a busy guy. I know you're on one coast one week and the, the opposite end of the country the next. So thank you for your time and your willingness to share your expertise and uh, look forward to just watching you continue with your heart-centered leadership. Well, I got a takeaway for you. Make, make today's hurdle to greatness tomorrow's bar of expectation. It's in my book. It's what I do. You got to raise the bar every day to do that. You got to have a different way of thinking. You got to be open to the possibility of what if, and you got to think and you got to do. Uh, you, the marriage of that thought process with action is the difference in those who make it, those who don't. Be resilient. You were wonderful. Can't wait to have you on my show. You're a wealth of information. Just be fun to talk to you, kick around some ideas. We'll probably come up with something to be pretty interesting. Absolutely. And I, uh, I was going to end with a leadership quote, but I thought, I got to give you one from Muhammad. I got to, I got to close this off and do it well. So one of my favorite quotes from Muhammad Ali was service to others is the rent you pay for room here on earth. Wow. So I want to thank you, Bill. I want to thank everybody for joining me again on imperfect. If you like our show, Sharon is caring. We'd love to have you give us a rating and a review and make sure you check out the episode description below so you can get in touch and connect with Bill on social media. And this is Deb Crow. Thank you once again for joining me on Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast.